Hi, this is Carl, and I'm here with my friend John Armato. How are you today, sir? Doing well. Thank you, Carl. Well, thank you for being with us. John is going to be one of the featured speakers at the SMB Online Conference in June, and he is a Senior Vice President and Senior Partner Creative Strategist for Fleshman Hillard International Communications, which is quite a mouthful. Uh, why don't you tell us, John, a little bit about what that is and, and what uh, what you do with Fleshman Hillard? Absolutely. So let me start with the firm, and then I'll tell you a little bit about me. Uh, Fleshman Hillard is one of the largest public relations firms in the world. We're actually uh, one of the most comprehensive communications consultancies as well. Uh, we're in about 80 cities around the globe and um, represent typically the, the number one or number two market leader in virtually any category from B2C to uh, brand communications, healthcare, food and ag, litigation support, crisis communications, all sorts of uh, all, all sorts of things that we do in the communications world. And um, uh, we've been around for 60 some odd years, and I've been a, a part of the firm for about 17 of those years. I started off in our Kansas City office. I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, and then spent four years in our New York City office, and I'm now based in Sacramento. Um, and my background is in uh, general brand support marketing communications. Uh, I've always uh, worked as sort of a generalist in the public relations and communications industry. Started off as a freelancer, uh, worked for a short time uh, at a small college in Kansas City, did a short stint at an ad agency, and then went to Fleshman Hillard. Um, and uh, my role today is to uh, work with clients and help our teams uh, develop their messages, their communication strategy, and uh, develop creative programs to um, meet their objectives. That's kind of it in a nutshell. All right. And you also are paid, let me just make sure that I'm correct about this, but you're paid to go and help companies learn how to be creative. Is that fair? Yeah, my, my role as creative strategist is sort of twofold. Um, the majority of my time is spent working internally uh, with teams and colleagues to develop ideas, uh, to um, shape existing programs, uh, to discover new ways to accomplish what their clients want to accomplish. Uh, but then there is also uh, a fair amount of time where I'm engaged directly with our clients to go in and, and either facilitate quote-unquote big idea sessions with, with them and their teams uh, or to do more and more professional development kinds of things. So um, I've been brought into a variety of companies to um, do very much what I'm going to do for your conference, uh, but in person uh, do keynotes and, and workshops on the creative process um, and help give their teams some tools and techniques that they can use then to go back into their own organization and feel a little better equipped to, um, uh, to develop concepts that are uh, not only on strategy but also creative. All right, and uh, the, the term think outside the box was probably a cliche even 17 years ago when you started with Fleshman. Yeah, yeah, you so, know, very, very much so. And, and, and so you have a presentation called Think Inside the Box, and without you know giving away the, uh, the whole thing, can you tell us just a, a, a little bit about what that uh, theme is about? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe maybe the place to begin is with Think Outside the Box, which I always like to let people know that I have great regard for the origins of that concept. A guy named Mike Vance, who was with the Disney organization for many years, 
was uh, one of the first people to really popularize it as a, as a specific concept and as a phrase many, many years ago. And um, uh, it, it's rooted in some really sound thinking, um, and uh, you can't really quibble with its provenance. However, over time, think outside the box has become shorthand for a misconception. And uh, these days, what most people sort of take it to mean is this expectation that you can reach into thin air and sort of pluck ideas from nothingness. And that's really not the way the creative process works. That's magic. That's not the creative process. Um, and so many years ago when I was sort of really starting to cultivate my career and was getting more and more involved in leading the creative process with teams and dealing with idea generation on a daily basis, uh, I, I became sort of frustrated at what the popular notion of think outside the box was. And the more I studied and uh, talked about and um, explored the creative process professionally, the more I realized that really the opposite phrase, in my mind anyway, actually captures the, the sort of organic truth of the creative process better. So I started putting my thoughts together and, and uh, developing what has become this presentation, uh, really has its roots better than a decade ago, and, and, and decided to call it Think Inside the Box because uh, I, I I wanted to signify that I believe it's time to rethink what is the greatest cliche in creativity, but also to really create a metaphor for what I think is a truer representation of the way creativity actually works. All righty. So, so it's interesting because you and I are in a mastermind together, and yep. one of the things that you have is a talent that um, I think is pretty rare and that is to simply to, to, I guess, be creative. I mean, and, and you know, I want to think it's magic. I want to think, you know, you know, thank God there's at least one John in my life so that I can, you know, come up with, you know, these great ideas or, you know, just give him a seed and he'll come up with great ideas. And so what you're saying is it's not magic that you actually have some kind of a process, but, but you also use the process very quickly. Right? I mean, I I give you a question and you start immediately throwing out really great ideas. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. That's very flattering, and, and uh, I think you do yourself a disservice uh, because um, I, I regard you as a tremendously creative person yourself. But you hit upon something that I think is really interesting and has sort of captured my imagination over the years, and that is when you see somebody who seems to be able to create really rapidly or to generate ideas really rapidly. What's actually going on there? You know, what 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 is that ability? And it's one of the things you know, that I that I have actually talked about in my sessions in the past, uh, which is when you see what 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 looks like immediate idea generation, what you're actually seeing at work is somebody who has collected a tremendous amount of inputs over the past and develop the facility at sort of tapping into those and looking for combinations and connections and relationships. So in a lot of ways, the work is done well before you see the idea sort of pop out of their mouths. And one of the examples I I like to, to use is um, great comedians like Robin Williams, like the late Jonathan Winters, like Jim Carrey. Those are folks who are just masterful at that really rapid-fire uh, what appears to be sort of free association. Um, when you really take a look at what they're doing, they're connecting ideas really rapidly. They're they're putting pieces together 
from past experiences and, and coming up with surprising combinations. I've got a clip from the uh, movie uh, Bruce Almighty with Jim uh, Jim Carrey mm-hmm. that I sometimes show. And there's an outtake uh, reel on the DVD that shows him just riffing for the camera. And I, I took a, a little section of that where he's uh, playing the part of a reporter and he's in a bakery and he's just starting to play with the different accoutrements of a bakery, you know, a mixer and a whisk and these sorts of things. And he's just making gags out of all these things. And I, I sat down one day and I sort of inventoried all the things that he had to be able to draw from in order to make those comedic moments. And they're things like knowledge of how um, popes are elected and old vaudeville acts and um, – MGM musicals and sports, and there's this wide range of just uh, little pieces of inputs, but he pulls them together so that when he um, takes a colander and puts it to his face and acts like he's fencing, what he's actually doing is not in that moment coming up with a brand new original thought, but tapping into those things that he has noticed in the past. Oh, a fencer's mask, you know, that little mesh net that fits over their face. What does that look like? So when he looks at objects that he's going to play with, he's really doing this. The rapid-fire activity is in saying, what does this remind me of? What could this uh, function as instead of uh, what it's supposed to be? What does it remind me of that I could make a joke out of? And and, and so that's a really you know uh, analytical way of looking at it, and it's a dangerous thing to sort of try and parse comedy. <laughs> but but in my experience, people who generate ideas quickly are people who have a command of uh, this sort of vast landscape of inputs that they're making connections to. And that's really the metaphor of think inside the box. Think ins- inside the box says we have to fill our box metaphorically with lots of interesting experiences, great books, great conversations, good travel, interesting observations throughout our daily life, etc. because that's where it begins. If you don't have anything to work from, if there's nothing in the box, nothing can come out of the box. Okay, so does that mean this is a skill that can be learned? I think so, and it's one of the great uh, debates in, um, or discussions, I should say, anyway, in creativity. Um, you know, is it a gift? Is it nature versus nurture? All those sorts of things. My feeling is that if there is a gift, I think uh, the inherent uh, aptitude that some people have at imagination, the ability to see patterns and relationships between seemingly disparate things. I think that that can be cultivated, but some people do have a, a greater sort of inherent gift of imagination. But the idea of consciously thinking, uh, what is the relationship between these things? What do I have to work with? What else could this mean? What else could this be? Uh, I absolutely think that can be cultivated. It's, it's really like anything else. I mean, I mean anybody can learn the fundamentals of playing piano, not everyone's going to be a master. Uh, anybody who already plays piano can get better, but they may not become um, you know, a, a, a genuine master of the art form. So I think we can absolutely teach creative techniques. We can absolutely cultivate increased creativity skills. There will always be a level of masters and geniuses that defy explanations. I'm not so sure that the people at the right hand of the bell curve are just better at the basics than everybody else. I do think that eventually you cross this chasm into sort of a pure genius that is still hard to explain. So I I wouldn't guarantee that um, 
anybody can think like Da Vinci in seven steps or less. I, I don't buy into that. I don't. I don't really buy into that sort of approach. But I think everybody can learn to appreciate what the essential skills of creativity are. All righty. Now, for, for your big clients, and you work with gargantuan international That's right. companies. Um, obviously, they need like they put lots of resources into creativity just because they've got to always not just have new products, but have ways of presenting those products, uh, sure. selling them internally and externally, and on and on and on. But is there is where does this play in with small businesses, right? Literally, well, I, yeah. mom and pop shops. I think I think actually um, it's sort of like sort of like how people uh, uh, get uh, intimidated by the scale of budgets. You know, it's like you know billion dollar budgets and uh, um, finances and, and the millions and billions. Look, the decimal's just in a different place, but the math is still the same. And I think sort of metaphorically, uh, the decimal is just in a different place. It's a different scale when you're talking about a major corporation or an international organization versus uh, a small organization. But the the math of creativity, the skill sets are really the same. And, and in fact, I think the advantage that the small and medium-sized business uh, person has is that they tend to be more fleet, more deft and swift and able to execute uh, quicker, able to test and learn with uh, less vulnerability. What happens when you get into larger organizations is there's so much at stake that it becomes uh, harder for them to be creative oftentimes because a conservative mindset sets in the more you have to lose. Um, and so the more scared you are, the more that you are risking, um, the, the more cautious you will tend to be. Not that small and medium-sized business owners don't have a lot at stake, um, but uh, you will have fewer bureaucratic layers and um, uh, I, I think less of a political environment to negotiate and more of an ability to take incremental risks. So I think I think really from a from a skill standpoint or a mindset standpoint, which is really what I talk about, is how to think about the creative process to your own benefit. Uh, you're, you still have products that you're trying to develop. You still have service delivery questions. How am I going to get those products to people, or how am I going to get these services to people? Uh, and you still have opportunities and decisions to make about how you're going to market your services and products. Um, those are foundationally the same for everybody, no matter what the size. So I think this is uh, as relevant to a sole practitioner as it would be to a global enterprise. All righty. And so your presentations on the third day of the conference, and um, uh, actually, I don't know if you know Brian Sharp, but you guys are going to be kind of back to back. Okay, so, terrific. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that that will be quite a morning. Uh, so I really appreciate your time here, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to having you at the conference. I think it'll be actually pretty darn amazing. So well, I'm I am delighted to be a part of it. Flattered you asked, and very much looking forward to it. And um, want to encourage people to come prepared for conversation uh, as well as listening because one of my favorite things to do is simply talk about the questions on people's minds after we're done with the presentation itself. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you invited me to be a part of it. Well, I just hope we have enough time because, you know, we've only got an hour, so, you know, it's, it'll be tough even with questions to uh, to do it all. Well, it's 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 the start of an ongoing conversation then. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, thanks for being with us today, and 
folks can check you out online. What's your website for? Um, website for uh, all of this stuff that we're talking about is thinkinside.biz. Um, and uh, they will find a summary of some of the thinking, um, a very intermittent blog, uh, a few downloadable resources, and uh, some useful links. So I uh, would welcome people to stop by, check it out, leave a comment. Very cool. And I will post up your Twitter and LinkedIn information on the podcast site just so Perfect. folks want to connect with you, they can. Yeah, that's terrific. Right. I'd, I'd welcome it. All righty. Well, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Carl.